Welcome and greetings, career-minded superstars. You are listening to the exclusive Career Coach, your podcast for all things career. And I'm Lisa Edwards, the indispensable career coach for superstars just like you. Now let's dig into this week's topic, shall we? Go from dragging yourself to work each day to finding a job you love. The Career Spring program is for high achieving and ambitious mid level professionals like you who are looking for a job that uses your zone of genius, recognizes your value, and pays you what you're worth. If you're ready to learn more, schedule a complimentary consult using the link to my calendar in the show notes. Be sure to follow me on Exclusive Career Coaching on Facebook. Lisa Edwards on LinkedIn and Lisa.Edwards on Instagram. Greetings. I hope you had a wonderful Valentine's Day, whatever that means to you. Not all of us have that special someone in our life, but hopefully we can find a way to celebrate love in its many forms and reach out to the people that we love, no matter who that is or where they are. So I want to remind you again that I have these free monthly webinars. I call them master classes, and they are that because we go quite deep into the subject. And they are always on the third Thursday of each month. So if you happen to be listening to this as it drops, there will be one tomorrow. But whenever you listen to it, there will be one on the third Thursday of that month at 4 o'clock Eastern. Those are one-hour webinars. They're always job search related. As it happens for February, we're going to be talking talking about personal branding and how to incorporate that in your resume, in your elevator pitch, in your LinkedIn profile, in your efforts to get promoted through your organization and even to get involved in your community or in your professional associations. So to see this month's topic, to register whenever you're hearing this, there's a link in the show notes. We're going to talk today about what should be included and what should be left off and what might be included in your resume. I get a lot of questions about this, and I see a lot of resumes that include information that shouldn't be there, and in many cases, missing information that should be there. I want you to keep in mind as we have this conversation that your resume should be a marketing document. Now, for many of you, it is what I call a data sheet, meaning that it is a very descriptive list of job titles, employers, dates of employment, and job duties, which is not a marketing document. I want to make that very clear. And that's the big shift that most people see when they work with a professional qualified resume writer like me, is it becomes a marketing document. You are selling a product when you are sending your resume out, and that product that you're selling is yourself. You want the reader to know your features and benefits. What are they going to get when they buy you, why should they choose you over all the other candidates? And that descriptive data sheet, as I call it, doesn't really do that. But an effective marketing document does. And one of the big pieces of that effective marketing document is what you include and what you leave off on that resume. So here are six things that should always, without exception, be on your resume. There are no exceptions to these. So your name, obviously. That's a pretty basic one. But I will say with the name is I often see that as the most 
prominent thing on the resume. And I am in disagreement with that because unless you are a household name, a brand name that is already well known, your name is frankly irrelevant to the employer until they know why they should care about your name. And so I do not overly emphasize the name and make it the most the largest font on the resume for that reason. So your name, number one. Number two, they have to know how to get a hold of you. So contact information, and by that I mean your phone number and an email address. And if you are older and you put, you know, home, phone, mobile number, any of that, you automatically are branding yourself as someone who is older than, say, you know, a millennial. So just have a single phone number on there. They don't need 15 different numbers. And, you know, honestly, the standard right now is to have a single phone number. And you definitely don't want it to include an office number because you don't want to have any of your current employer information. You don't want to have a current employer email address. You don't want to have a business phone number because you don't want to give the impression, really, frankly, you are you are showing them that you are using your current company's resources to help you look for a job. The next thing then is your education. Now, this is assuming that you have higher education. It, depending on what work you do, it may be appropriate to have high school if that is your terminal degree and you are looking for a position that only requires a high school education. But for most of it's going, most of us, it's going to be a bachelor's degree, maybe an associate's degree, perhaps a master's. And I recommend that you list those degrees both as abbreviations and as spelled out. So you have a, a BS and something, but then you also spell it out as a bachelor's of science. And the reason you want to do that is because it really helps with the applicant tracking system to be able to identify that you have the right education that the the job is looking for. Next is your relevant work experience, right? So notice the word relevant work experience. It doesn't mean every job you've ever had. So that's a very situational thing that I work with on my clients in, in each situation. Are there jobs that were either very short term, irrelevant, you know, they in some way they don't serve them. The rule of thumb is you don't have to include anything on your resume that you don't want to include in terms of work history, as long as what you do include is 100% accurate in fact, factual and relevant work experience with achievements. And that's a big one that's missing with most of the resumes that I see. It's just listing job duties, but there should be achievements in there. How did you improve? How did you save money? How did you make money? How did you make things more efficient? Number five, a clearly articulated differentiating branding statement. Now, how extensive that is and the direction that I take with that is very dependent on a lot of things when I'm working with my clients. But in general, you want them to know what they get when they hire you and when they purchase you. And as I mentioned, that's what this month's webinar is going to be about. If you listen to this in the future, I'm sure that topic will cycle around. I, I t tend to cover topics again about every four months or so. So you want to make sure you, you catch that if you're not familiar with the concept of personal branding or how to go about it. Number six, Relevant and current credentials, certifications, courses. Notice relevant and current. So we don't necessarily know that you need to know that you took a course in 2005 on something or that you have certification on an old version of a technology that has been updated. But things that are current, certifications that are relevant, coursework that is recent. Those are the, the things that you will want to include. 
Next, I have eight things that should really never be on your resume. Number one is your street address. Many of you will have a street address on your resume, and it is not necessary. I can make an argument for privacy, but really the argument that I want to make is that there's no relevance to your street address. If they hire you or if they need that information, say on an application, they will get it. But for your resume, they do not need that. Now, I'm going to tell you what you might want to include here in a moment, but definitely we don't need to know the street address. Number two, your marital status. Now, these are specific to North America. So I've done resumes for folks from other parts of the world where we do include their marital status. Number three is a picture. And there are some parts of the world I have included pictures on resumes for folks in certain areas of Europe and Asia but not in North America. Now, if you're an actor or a model, there may be some other fields where a picture would be the standard, but in North America, typically, we do not include a picture. Number four, information about your children, your health, anything personal to do with, you know, I have three children, I'm excellent health, none of that. And, and we used to put that because I'm, you know, old enough that I can remember having on my resume back in the day, excellent health, but no, we don't do that anymore. Number five, unrelated personal hobbies. And and what do I mean by that? If it doesn't have anything to do with the job you're applying for, it doesn't need to go on your resume. If it does have something to do with it, it can be appropriate. Next is salary expectations or salary history. There's no reason on your resume to include how much money you made at a job or what you are expecting. Now, some employers will ask for that. And if they do, they'll either have a place on the job application, many do, or you may need to include that in a cover letter or a separate attachment. But please don't put that on your resume. Number seven is reasons for leaving previous jobs. Again, may have that on a job application. No reason to include that on a resume. And number eight, exact days of beginning and ending jobs. So you don't need to tell me that you started the job on August 8th of 2020. I just need to know that you started in August of 2020 or perhaps just 2020. So those are the things, the eight things that should never be on your resume. Now let's talk about what might go on your resume situationally. Number one, professional affiliations. So why do I say that might go on there? That is not usually something that is high enough priority that if I am tight for space with my client, I will not take something else off to put professional affiliations on there. But if there is room and those professional affiliations are relevant. A good example would be folks in human resources, almost always, really always, if they're a member of the Society for Human Resources Management, SHRM, SHRM, that's going to go on their resume because that's a standard bearer for the human resource profession. But there are other professional affiliations that may or may not be appropriate for your resume. Number two is relevant personal interest. So as we talked about, irrelevant ones that you know don't have anything to do with the job no place for them but there may be some so let's just say you're applying for a job to do something to do with real estate and one of your hobbies is you know real estate investment that might be appropriate again it's a space issue is it more relevant and more you know impressive to a potential employer than something else that might have to be removed on the resume in order to make room for that relevant personal interest. Number three is your city, state, and zip. So we talked about no street address. 
my rule of thumb is if you are applying locally or in in the region, the the tight region of where you currently live, a city, state, and zip may be a good thing. It may kind of lock you in. They may think, oh, we don't have to pay for relocation costs. We don't have to worry about paying to get this person here for an in-person interview. So it could work in your favor. If, however, you live in Boston and you're seeking employment in California, there's really no upside in having your city, state, and zip on your resume. So you will not, in that case, have any address information on your resume. Number four, faith-based volunteering. So that's going to be very situational. What do you know about the employer? How does it relate to the job that you're applying for, the industry that you're in? Maybe it's the substance of the volunteering that you're doing. So let me give you an example. If you're maybe at an entry level in a financial position, so it may be accounting, and the only relevant experience you have is while you were in college, you were the financial manager of your faith-based organization's finances. That may be relevant and it may be a strong, you know, it's better than no experience, right? So that's going to be very situational. My rule of thumb is always faith-based volunteering, especially if you're going to mention the faith, is unfortunately, you typically kind of want it to be something mainstream, right? Something that can't be much argued with or questioned or looked at sideways. And that's a sad statement, but it's true. Number five, unrelated jobs. So especially if they are short term, you know, kind of blips on the screen or, you know, you just really didn't have a chance to get your, you know, you got in there and a month later you were either terminated or found out it was a terrible fit. Maybe it was a long time ago. So those unrelated jobs, I'm really going to look at those very situationally. I'm going to look at how much space do we have. I'm going to look at what else do we have to promote your candidacy and and does this unrelated job add to detract or is it kind of a neutral number six your linkedin url now the reason i say that this might go on your resume is if you have just started your linkedin profile and you have 98 connections and you've hardly done a thing with it it's probably not going to help you to have that linkedin url on there now can they still find you of course will they still find you almost probably but it doesn't serve you to put it on your resume if it's not a strong suit number seven community engagement can be very useful. Again, look at it in terms of what was the substance? Was I very involved or just sort of passively involved? Have I been involved recently or was it 10 years ago? What kind of an organization was it? And of course, how much room do I have? Is it more important than something else if I have to make a decision about what goes and what stays? And then number eight, board service. So probably board service is going to be a great idea to include. But again, what if it's a board that has nothing to do with your profession? It's not a prestigious board. It's just a local thing that you belong to. And maybe you weren't really involved. You were just a member of the board. Maybe you only did it for a year and you did it six years ago. I'd probably leave it off. But again, very situational. And finally, number nine is a list of relevant keywords. And the reason that I say that this is a might go on there is that sometimes 
A, I just don't have room to put a list of, you know, 15, 16 keywords on there. And other times the client's situation doesn't call for it, particularly at the higher levels. I sometimes will leave that off because A, we've got so much other great content. I'm confident that those keywords are showing up in the body of the resume. And, you know, I had to make a decision about what went and what, what stayed. So as you can see, much of what should or shouldn't go on the resume is dependent on A, your career goal, B, we're going to look at how you're going to use your resume, right? So a great example would be the board service. If you're using your resume specifically to get on a board, of course, we would want to include and highlight current or past board service. You want to continually be asking yourself the question as you write your resume, does this thing, does this experience, does this achievement add value to my candidacy? And then if so, you know, is it enough? Is it important enough that it stays when something else might have to go? And one final reminder about all of this is that your resume is not a CV or curriculum vitae. So here in the United States and in Canada, we make a clear distinction. A resume is a marketing document. A CV is a an exhaustive record of your professional history. And a CV in North America is used primarily for academic higher education positions and or scientific positions. You want to have a carefully curated marketing document that presents you in the best possible light. And if you keep that in mind as you write your resume, I think it'll make some of these decisions about what should stay and what should go a little bit easier for you. I hope this has been helpful. Reach out if you have any further questions about this and take care. I'll see you next week. You've been listening to the Exclusive Career Coach with Lisa Edwards, CEO of Exclusive Career Coaching. It would be great if you would rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Also, I want to be your career coach, so be sure to ask questions about your career management challenges and job search situation. Until next time.